Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. text tonight uh, in Acts chapter 20, but I'm going to kind of give a little bit of an introduction. Paul was in his ministry as he got older, became greatly burdened and concerned about um, the faithfulness of the saints and their finishing the course that God had given them in a uh, not just a victorious manner, but a joyful manner. Lord, we're going. Uh, Lord knows that we're going through troublesome times even right now. Our nation is uh, is in great trouble spiritually, and I appreciate Brother Cody making mention of the fact that this right here. It's more than just a, a pandemic as far as a physical illness that is going through this world at this present time. There's great spiritual needs that are here, and uh, we need to be praying that God would. Uh, just work a, a good work. Come to Colossians, if you would, for just a moment. Uh, and uh, I'm going to come to Acts chapter 20, but uh, as far as our message. But uh, in the book of Colossians, uh, chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, Paul talked about the ministry that he was given of Jesus Christ. And he says um, uh, he had um, manifested the mystery. Uh, which have been hidden from ages and, and generations, but now is made manifest to the saints in verse 26 of chapter 1. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Brethren, uh, the only real victory that really and truthfully is going to count in our lives is Christ dwelling in us and the Spirit of God renewing our spirit by a new birth. I was uh, preaching on the streets this past weekend with some of the young men, and it um, uh, seemed like the Lord led me led me to uh, uh, some things as far as you know. We we love to preach on the love of the love of God. God did love us. He loved us enough that He sent His only begotten Son to die for our sins. Uh, he didn't send Him in the world to condemn us, but through His Son that we might all be saved and have eternal life. But you know something? There's a lot of people that have taken up on this, the issues of love. And they've, uh, they've sidestepped another issue of true need of repentance toward God. Now, it's not just the faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. But people don't realize this right here. It's your sins that are going to wind up condemning you. And uh, I had a message that I wanted to preach uh, to those who would hear it. You know, Jesus said, except you be born again, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. Except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he says, that's in John chapter 3, the Nicodemus. He said, except a man be born again. Well, what he's talking about, new birth, even Nicodemus was confounded by it, even though being a religious leader. He said, can a man enter his mother's womb and be born the second time? Well, that's that's ridiculous. You know a man can't enter into his mother's womb and be born again. Jesus wasn't talking about something physical. He said, that which you're born of the flesh is flesh. 
that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said, and you must be born again. Except a man be born of water, there's your natural birth. We all came by water in this world. And uh, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You know, when Christ brought out to Nicodemus, except you be born again, you cannot see nor enter the kingdom of God. If you don't get born again, you're not going. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, you hate to be so, so blatantly blank about it. But I mean, the Lord is. I mean, you know, the, the, there's not a thousand ways to heaven, y'all. And it's not, listen, I think Cain was the first one in Genesis chapter 4 to find out this right here. That God's not going to accept your way. He's going to accept his way. The Lord chooses the, the, the method of mercy. And it's through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. But there's another thing he says in John chapter 8 when he speaks to the Pharisees, leaders of Israel. He speaks to them and says this right here. Except ye believe that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. They said, will he kill himself? <laughs> Talking about, you know, dying in your sins. He says, whither I go, you cannot come. He said, where will he go? Will he kill himself? Will he go to the Gentiles? You see, they didn't understand the spiritual aspects of it either. But Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Whither I go, you cannot come. If you die in your sins, if you die in your sins. You know, I had a, a man, uh, I heard a man preach a message one time. Said He said, uh, he says, uh, I'm going to tell you, uh, nine reasons Elvis didn't go, didn't go to hell. And he started preaching on, you know, he didn't go to hell because he was fornicated. He didn't go to hell because he sang rock, rock and roll music. He, says that. he said, he went, if he went to hell, he went because he rejected Jesus Christ as his Savior. That's true. But then again, I want to say this right here. It undermines the fact of this right here. Christ died for our sins, y'all, according to the Scriptures. If you look at 1 John chapter 3, you know what it says? Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. When, when Christ died for our sins, he came to give us a new birth, but he came to give us of his spirit too. The Bible says, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the spirit. Except He says this, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. I want to say something. It's not just you not being born again. I want to say this right here. If you die in your sins and reject Jesus Christ as your savior, if there's no dependence of your sins and trusting Christ as your Savior from, from, from what he, he came to do, what is the gospel, y'all? Paul says it's the power of God under salvation. The gospel is the power of God under salvation. Okay, what is the gospel? I was in a church one time several years ago, and I asked them that question to a, to a Bible-believing congregation. Just like this Bible, believe in congregate. I said, what is the gospel? And one of the ladies raised her hand, and she, I said, what is God? She said, it's the Bible. That's the gospel. I said, ma'am, I want to say this right here. Uh, I want to say the gospel's in the Bible, but the gospel is not the Bible. The Bible's the truth, but it covers a lot of subjects. One of those is the gospel. What is the gospel? And then another gentleman across the room I saw him raise his hand and I says, sir, I said, let me ask you this right here. I said, what is the gospel? You, you, seem, to, you seem to raise your hand with enough zeal that you, you have the answer. He said, yeah, Christ died and rose again after three days. I said, man, 
I said, let me ask you something. Now, Paul spoke of the gospel being a glorious thing. He spoke about the glorious gospel that he preached. I said, you know, Christ dying and rising again is a manifestation that he's the son of God. You're not going to kill God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that Jesus Christ, he, 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 he manifested himself to be the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ manifests that he is the son of God and he is, he is who he said he was. But I want to say the gospel is something much more glorious than that. He's Brother Baker, what could be more glorious than the resurrection of Jesus Christ three days after he was dead? I'll tell you what's more glorious than that. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, see, a lot of people don't understand something. They may have religion, but that's a far cry from regeneration. You know, some people may, they may have, uh, they have, they may have experiences, but emotional experiences are far cry from being born of the spirit. Now look at first Corinthians 15. And I want to read something that you should not ever forget. The difference between Christ dying and after three days rising in from the grave being a gospel. I'm not saying that's not good news. That's wonderful news. But here's the best news. Here's the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye received, and wherein ye stand. By which also you're what? Doesn't he say you're saved? Saved from what? Saved from what? Romans chapter 5 verse 9 says, Saved from the wrath to come. He saved us from the wrath to come. He saved us from the consequences and penalties of what sin would bring on us by dying for our sins. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, he says, By which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. That's great. I'm getting closer to the glorious gospel because I'll tell you what. Paul received it himself. What was it? What can we say? How that Christ died according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, that he rose again the third day, according to scriptures. Is that the glorious gospel? No. No, I skipped something. What did I skip? Look what he says. He says, For I deliver you first of all that which I received, how that Christ died according to scriptures. There's three words I skipped there that make it a glorious gospel. You know what it is? He died for our sins. Was buried and rose again the third day. And why did he rise? Some people say, well, Romans chapter 1 tells us distinctly that Christ rose to prove that he was the Son of God. But he rose again for something greater than that. Because he, listen, he, he was already God. He might have had to manifest to us who he was. But I'll guarantee you one thing. He, I'm going to tell you, even the devil says, you know, if thou be the Son of God. He didn't have to prove he was the Son of God to the devil. He already was the Son of God. You know what I'm saying? Got, let me tell you, Jesus didn't have to prove anything to the devil. Look at Romans chapter 4. In Romans chapter 4, it says this. It says, speaking about the testimony of the faith of Abraham, 
and the record that God gives about the faith of Abraham in the book of Genesis. And the record that's there, it says, now, it was not written for his sake alone that, that it was imputed to him, speaking about his righteousness being imputed to him by his faith. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for what? Our offenses. And why was he raised again? For what? Our justification. Brother, you know what the glorious gospel is? That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again the third day, uh, uh, according to the scriptures, for our justification. That's what makes it so glorious, y'all. He would be God anyway, without us. He was God before us, and he'd be God without us. But I want to say this right here. What he did for us, and what he's doing in us even this day, he that begun a good work in you will perform it under the name of Jesus Christ. I tell you what, that will keep you happy. I don't care what the situation is in life. You know what? At least I'm saved. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how, how, how far the government goes on left field. I, it doesn't make any difference to me if the whole thing just falls apart. I'll tell you that at least I've got Christ. At least I've got salvation. At least I've got the Bible on my side. And at least I've got my sins forgiven through our Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, to know that you're saved is the most precious thing that you'll ever obtain while you're living in this life. But Paul put emphasis on something else. He put emphasis upon the service of our life. And he gives his own life as an example of it. In Acts chapter 20, Paul has gathered together the Ephesian elders. According to verse 17, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, and called the elders of the church. The Ephesus, Ephesus is the church, first church is mentioned in the book of Revelation, and it's the first church um, that is mentioned as far as, uh, as Timothy. You remember, was a convert, young Timothy was a convert to Paul and followed him around, and he was a, a disciple of Paul. And uh, well, Timothy, according to church history and according to your Bible, he was the first pastor of the church of Ephesus. Ephesus means fully purposed. Ephesus called the elders of the church, and when he would come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many uh, tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying away of the Jews. Let me tell you, we don't have it any harder than what they had it back in those days. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and taught you publicly, and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Let me tell you something, y'all. When Paul left this world and gave the... the uh, epistles to Timothy, the young ministry, he told him to taught, teach the church and preach the word to the church. He said, for the time would come when they would not endure sound doctrine. But one thing he said in the context of all that, he said, yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? Suffer persecution. If you live right, you're going to suffer for it. You don't have to look for trouble. Trouble will find you. You live godly. You live separated. You live holy. I'm going to tell you this right here. There are going to be people who are not going to like you for it. You know why? Because that life itself brings conviction upon them for the sin that they've succumbed to. 
He said this, save the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saying bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count of my life dear unto myself, so I might finish my course with what? Joy. He said, I want to finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day, I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, and all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseer, to feed the church of God, which is purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I've coveted no man's silver, gold, or apparel. Yea, yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities to them and them to them, them, them that were with me. I've showed you all things, and how so laboring you ought to support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It's more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. They all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most for, for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him under the ship. These are the last words Paul speaks to the elders of Ephesus in person. He's now fixing to go to Jerusalem. He's now going to fall, fall into bonds while he's trying his best to show them the love of Christ through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to show them how that a man's not justified by the works of the law, but the hearing of grace through faith. And yet he's going to be persecuted for it. He's going to wind up in Rome. He's going to stand before Nero, that despot of a leader of Rome. On his second occasion, according to 2 Timothy, you're going to find in chapter 4, that he stands before Nero his second time, and he knows his time is at hand. And in 66 AD, Paul the Apostle is going to lay his neck down, and Nero's going to take his head. Just like Herod took the head of John the Baptist, so Nero took the head of Paul the Apostle. You know, I pray that they found repentance. But I'll say this right here. If they didn't, they'll never forget that experience for sure. But in Acts chapter 20, he said, I want to finish my course with joy. That's what he wants for us to. He wants us to understand that whether we're a minister in one way or whether or not we're just as this brother back here who's been witnessing to people this week, he said, you know, you seek that occasion for people to get around you so that you can find that occasion to open up. Uh, as I did today, I had an inspection on our house across the street here, and I did. The inspector, was, he came to visit. When he did, he was, uh, um, you know, going over some things, the electrical things and such as that. And while he was doing that and everything else, I was also, uh, you know, bringing him through the Inquisition. Sir, where do you go to church? I told him, I, you know, I was a minister and come here and retired here and everything else. He, he liked that and all that. So he asked me where I went to church and did. I said, now, where do you go to church? He told me that he went to a, a Baptist church over at Red Bank. And I, uh, uh, he asked me my affiliation as far as an independent Baptist. But, and uh, I knew that he was Southern Baptist. But the main thing with this right here, I asked him this right here. So I, I realize now I know that you're a Baptist and I now know that you go to church. I said, well, would you answer one question more? 
Are you a saved Baptist or a lost Baptist? You see, we have saved Baptists and lost Baptists. I was a lost Baptist before I was ever a saved Baptist. You know something? There's a difference between being saved and lost. There's a difference between being, you know, religious and regenerated. There's a difference between being saved and just being, you know, uh, being uh, what we call moved by a, by a spirit and not knowing what it is. And yet it might be an emotional experience. They say that over 85% of the people of America have had a, an emotional experience with Jesus Christ one time or another in their life. You know something? That's exactly what they had to, an emotional experience. But an emotional experience is not the new birth. I don't know about your experiences, but I'll tell you this right here. Evangelism is not promoting for you to have an experience. You know, spirit go up and down your back like a yo-yo. I don't know about all that stuff. You know, tingling in your legs or whatever. I, I know this right here. The Bible says God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And the gospel is that Christ died for our sins. In Acts chapter 20, Paul said he wanted to fi finish his course with joy. I want you to finish yours too. But he said, he spoke about warning. In Colossians chapter 1, if you'll turn back there just for one second, I'm going to give you a few little points here, and we're going to, we'll, we'll end our prayer meeting this and our services for tonight. And I hope that uh, some of these things that you, you'll be able to remember. In Colossians chapter 1, in Colossians chapter 1, notice if you will, verse 27, to whom God would make known the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man, and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. You want to be fruitful? Listen, how can you meet the Lord joy if you don't have any fruit? Do you want, listen, do you want to be found faithful? The Bible says, accounting stewards, a man be found faithful. You want to be fruitful? You want to be faithful? Let me ask you this right here. Do you want to be standing while others are falling all around you? Just look. Just look, just look, y'all, around you and see how many people have given up and failed. In Acts chapter 20, Paul gives us something that he speaks to those elders, and I'll just go down the list one by one right quick, and then we'll have prayer. But in Acts chapter 20, if you want to finish this thing with joy, y'all, then watch what he says. He says in verse 18, you know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I've been with you at all seasons. You know what Jesus, you know what he said to Timothy? Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Preach the word, he said. Preach the word. He said, I've been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying away to the Jews. Let me say something to you. First of all, this right. Stay consistent. Mamas, don't run down to Walmart and get a tattoo. Don't try to keep up with the youth that is trying to keep up with Hollywood. Let me tell you something. The Bible even tells the women to be holy women. 
He tells you to be holy in your conversation, even in your appearance. He says, for you even dress for the woman. He says this right here, this short dress with shamefacedness and sobriety as women professing godliness. Don't run after this world. You're not going to keep your children. I don't care how much you compromise. You compromised all your children if you want to, but I'm going to tell you this right. You're not going to win them over. You're not going to. You know what they're going to do? They'll use your compromise as an excuse to reject what you have. Because you know what they'll say? You don't really have anything anyway. Because if you, if you did, then you stand for it. I want to say this right here. Be consistent in your spirit. I've got 24 grandchildren. That's almost a congregation itself. You know that? When you got eight children and, and, and they got wives and husbands, you got eight children and there's 39 of that bunch. When we, get, when we have Thanksgiving, and Lord will, we'll be having our first Thanksgiving at the house over here. Uh, and so if you see a crowd of cars and everything else parked all the way out there on the greens and everything else, realize this right here, the bakers have met again. But you know what? Granddaddy's going to bring them all together again before we gobble down turkey, hams, and all this other stuff. And then, you know, gonna, we have a word of testimony. And I let people praise the Lord for what they've done for them this year and how he's provided and blessed them. But you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm going to warn them again. I don't care if you're born uh, in a family where grandpa has been saved over 50 years, grandma's been saved over 50 years, or whatever. Let me tell you something. I don't care if we're saved or not. You're not going to get in on our shirt tails and coat tails and dress tails. You've got to get in through your personal faith and repentance toward the Lord Jesus Christ. You either come to God and humble yourself, you know, and, and take Christ as your Savior, or you're not getting in, y'all. If you, if you don't receive him for who he is, you're not going. You cannot be with him. He says, you know, how the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, nor the fornicators, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abuse themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, shall in, uh, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Such were, were, were some of you. But you're washed. But you're sanctified. But you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Now, you know what you need? A good washing. And what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You know something? you got to get washed before you get into that city. You need a good washing. Jesus said, now you're clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. You know what you need? You need confidence in the word of God to, make, to get your salvation nailed down and sure. Let me ask you something. If you died right this moment, what are your assurances? Can you give me some verses on how you know that you know? I mean, really, there's only one way you can be assured that you're saved. If we, Paul says, I mean, in, in, I mean, John says in First John chapter 5, he said, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Isn't he? Isn't the witness of God greater? And this is the witness which God testified of his son. This is the witness. Here it is right here. He that believeth God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. You know what he says? The people talk about how difficult the King James Bible is. How difficult. Well, how, listen, how much easier could God make it for you than one syllable words? You say, what do you mean? Well, the, what about this one syllable verse in one syllable uh, in one one syllable explanation he that hath the son hath life and he that hath not the son of God hath not life 
Simple enough. If you've got him, you got it. If you don't have him, you ain't got it. Well, well, you're trying to condemn. I didn't condemn anybody. You condemn yourself if you feel bad. Because why don't you get on the right side? It's kind of like Cain. God wouldn't accept Cain's offering, would he? But what did he say to Cain? They talk about, well, you know, I'm elected. I'm, you know, no, you're not elected. Paul said, to, I mean, the Lord said to Cain, whenever he, uh, Cain brought up the offering of the fruit of the ground, but you can't get blood out of a turnip, y'all. You can't get blood out of a turnip. He brought the fruit of the ground, an offering unto the Lord. The Lord didn't have any respect toward his offering. Why? What can wash away my sins? Not the juice of a turnip. What did he say? He said to Cain, Cain got all mad. Because whenever he saw his brother's sacrifice accepted, Cain brought it also the first thing of the flock. He brought some blood. He brought the first thing of the flock. God had respect unto Abel's offering. And to Cain, he didn't have respect. Why? Adam and Eve told him what to bring. Because all you have to do is read Genesis chapter 3 and find out this right here, that God took the fig leaves of self-righteousness that they had sown to cover their nakedness. He took that off of them and put, you know what he did? He put the skin of a lamb on them. Sure he did. God made them coats of skins, it says. Where do you think he got those skins? Abel was keeping them. You know what all, all Cain had to do? All Cain had to do is take, his, take the fruits of what he had, of his labors and everything, and, and purchase him a lamb. Just purchase him a lamb. Put his hand on the lamb, slay the lamb, offer it up to God as God commanded. He, you know what God said to Cain? If thou dost well, shalt thou not also be accepted. But if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. You know, some Cain rose up against his brother and slew him. Why? First John tells us in John chapter, First John chapter three, because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Envy. That's why the devil wants to slay God. In Acts chapter twenty, be consistent, y'all. Be consistent. One of these days, it won't make any difference. Your compromise isn't going to do you any good for your family. Stand up for what's right. And then he says this right here, in verse twenty-one. Testifying both the Jews and also the Greeks, repentance toward God, faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Say the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saying bonds and afflictions abide me. Let me say, don't compromise. Be consistent and don't compromise. The Bible's true, y'all. The Word of God is going to come to pass just like it's written. Verse 24. The Holy Ghost said, he said, witness every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me. What moves you? What would move you? What would it take? A little bit of rejection from your, from your siblings? A little bit of rejection from your children? A little bit of rejection from your grandchildren? What would it, do? What would it take to move you away from what's right? I want to say this right here. None of these things move me, neither count of my life dear unto myself. So I might finish my course with joy. Stay committed. Stay committed to what God has given you to do, y'all. Be a mom, but be a godly mom. Be a dad, but be a godly dad. Let me tell you something. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift the eyes, royal banner. It must not suffer loss. Stand up for the Lord. Jesus said, He that is ashamed of me in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. 
He said, he that confesseth me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. Now listen, if you're ashamed of him, he's going to be ashamed of you. Verse 26, take your record of this damn pure from the blood of all men. Keep a clean conscience. Keep a clean conscience. An old Methodist preacher named Sam Jones in the last generation, you know what he said? He said, I don't bring it, I don't take enough, I don't know, I take enough upon my conscience when I go to bed at night that I can't knock off in one leg. I mean, come on. If you got something that's bothering your conscience, get out on your knees and ask God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Quit fooling around with your soul. But then he brings it to a conclusion. Keep a clean conscience. He says this right here. Verse 29. I know this also after my departure shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. He says this, there wherefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Keep your eyes out. Watch for people that speak contrary to the word of God. Be careful of infidels. You know what an infidel is? An atheist is someone who doesn't believe in God, right? You know what an infidel is? An infidel is someone who denies that the Bible is inspired by God Almighty and it is, is perfect in its direction toward mankind to teach us how to live and believe in the true and living God. An infidel is someone that does not believe in the literal inspiration of their Bible. That's an infidel. There's a lot of infidels who claim to be Christians. But then he tells you in verse 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Be charitable. Be charitable. Understand what the difference of compromise and charity is. And be charitable. Then I'm going to close in verse 36. When he thus spoke and he kneeled down, prayed with them all. They all wept sore and fell upon Paul's neck and kissed him. Do you realize this right here? In the book of Genesis, all the way to the book of Malachi, there are paragraph marks in your Bible. And they show a change of thought, or a change of subject, or a change of time. That's what paragraph marks are for. And all through the New Testament, you'll find from the book of Matthew to the book of Acts, those paragraph marks that designate subject, time, and manner. But do you realize in Acts chapter 20, in your King James Bible, and I've had, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me the question about it. But there in Acts chapter 20, verse 36, there's a paragraph mark. Do you see it? You see that paragraph mark in verse 36? Is there a paragraph mark in your Bible? You won't find any more in your Bible after that. That's the last paragraph mark in the Bible. And I believe there's a divine reason for it. Your King James Bible 
is the only one that's in publication that ends it there. You know why? Because everything that has to do with us finishing our course and being found faithful when this thing is over with has been spoken by the Paul the Apostle that if we'll keep these things, be consistent, be faithful, and not compromise, but fulfill the work of Jesus Christ he called us to do by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ's world. There's nothing more that needs to be said that you should change for. Everything else that you read after this is nothing but accumulation of those things that are associated with fulfilling that gospel and also the hope of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Brethren, listen, it's accounted in stewards a man be found faithful. I'm going to preach and warn everybody. I'm warning you. Jesus is coming. I'm warning you. There ain't but one God, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, and there ain't but one Bible to follow. I'm warning you. Don't be moved away from the faith. I'm warning you. Don't be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ at a time when you're needed so much in this world not to be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Stand up for Jesus Christ while you got a chance. And listen, have some fruit, y'all. He's fixing to come. And he'll come with a shout. And listen, you will either shout back or you'll be ashamed. But I'm going to tell you this right here. When I got into this thing, I, I used to pray daily and say, Lord, don't come back today. Because they were saying that his coming was imminent. And I say, Lord, don't come back. You say, Brother Baker, you shouldn't have been praying. Yes, yes, because you know what? I was a young man, young man who just got saved, and I was so afraid the Lord was going to come back, and I would have no fruit whatsoever to, to give to him. But now, after 50 years in the ministry, I am satisfied this. I wished I had so much more that I could offer, but I thank God I've had some. I thank God I've got some fruit that I can at least bestow back to my Lord for the graciousness and blessing and mercies and kindness and all the things he's blessed my life with up to this day. Y'all, let's do the best we can and finish this thing with joy. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Oh, yeah.